My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. I am Iron Man. Hello and welcome back to the post-credit pod. Today, no news, no, no filler to start. We are jumping right into what is arguably the biggest episode of The Mandalorian to date. And I'm talking about both seasons here. Before we get into that, though, obviously a happy Thanksgiving to all the fans out there. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well, my friend, Eric. Brendo, first of all, I can't believe that's the first time I've thought of this. Damn, that was good. That's the first time either of us thought of that. Yesterday was a a big day. Do you know why? Beyond Thanksgiving? No. Because Rogue One was trending. (laughs) Huge day yesterday in the world. Rogue One was trending and people were saying how it's the best Star Wars film of all time. So I just want to welcome all those wise people to the bandwagon. Huge day in the Italiano household. Yep. Yep. I was like, Ma, Dad, can you believe it? Rogue One is trending. And they were like, oh, where did we go wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> no, but listen, that's, that's, that's a nice little treat for you. I, while I still take Empire Strikes Back and A New Hope over Rogue One, I have come around to saying that Rogue One's the best of the Disney era. Hell yeah, hell yeah. So, so, so I, I feel I, like that's a good enough leap for me, for you. Just wanted to uh, point that out real quick to let y'all know that the social consciousness is beginning to grow, and we're getting there. <laughs> His movement is taking root. I'm proud. I'm just proud of the world. That's all. All right. Good. Good. I'm glad. All right. So today, the most recent episode of The Mandalorian, titled "The Jedi," this is the first live-action debut debut of Ahsoka Tano, beloved Star Wars character from the animated Clone Wars and the animated Rebels, now played by Rosario Dawson. Before we jump into the nitty-gritty of the episode. I thought it would be helpful just to give listeners a quick reminder of who Ahsoka is, because not everyone watches the the animated shows, which is very understandable. So for those that are just like me. a few questions, yeah, exactly. So this might help you too. Listen up, Eric. You might learn something, kid. <laughs> so uh, Ahsoka Tano was originally discovered by Jedi Master Plo Koon as a young child. She was brought to the Jedi Temple on Coruscant to be trained. She showed a ton of promise, eventually becoming the Padawan of Anakin Skywalker right around the time of Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. Despite the fact that Anakin was not looking for uh, an apprentice and was not happy about it, the two obviously very quickly developed this very intimate bond as master and students, as well as friends beyond just kind of their military Jedi organization. She also grew really, really close to Obi-Wan as well. And, you know, the trio basically took turns saving each other's lives throughout all of her animated appearances, which was great. Uh, On top of that, Ahsoka has very close connections to the Bad Batch, which is the group of clone troopers fans have come to love from clones and rebels and who are also getting their own spinoff. But at one point in the animated Clone Wars, Ahsoka was framed for a crime she didn't commit and expelled by the Jedi Order. They, of course, later realized their mistake. They invited her back, but she chose to stay out of the Jedi Order. She kind of lost faith in the system because of how quickly they abandoned her for political reasons which was this really cool exploration of the Order's flaws, which is something Eric and I have talked about a ton on this podcast, and which we actually like seeing highlighted. Um, So from that point on, Ahsoka just kind of popped around the galaxy as like this force-using, lightsaber-wielding freelancer who just helped people and did good, which was kind of this cool 
rogue Western theme that, that we see continued in Mandalorian. She's this wanderer who aids the needy. Uh, then when we see her as a full-grown adult in Rebels, she's one of the early organizers of the rebellion prior to A New Hope. And then the last we see of her in terms of the chronological order of Star Wars is she's setting out on a quest to find Ezra Bridger, who is the young Jedi protagonist of Rebels. And he, that kid went missing with Grand Admiral Thrawn into the unknown regions in the final episode of Star Wars Rebels. So that's the last time we have seen her before this, which takes place after Rebels. Uh, so long story short for everybody and for you, Eric, we're introduced to Soka when she's this kind of bratty teenage Padawan. She grows into this increasingly capable young woman. And then we see her in Rebels as this full-blown adult who's a mentor, a teacher, you know, a rebel against the Empire. So it's this beautiful, very long-standing journey of this character that we've seen evolve from little kid to badass adult. Whew, deep breath. Beautiful. That was great. Are they picking up? literally right where they left off with her or is there some gray space in between that we there's some uh, gray space in between okay. that we don't know what she's been up to exactly but we know her overarching quest she's like i'm gonna find ezra bridger who disappeared with admiral thrawn and now is corvus a known planet have we been there before Corvus was first mentioned in the third episode of the second season of the mandalorian so essentially no okay gotcha okay Let's dive on in. All right, so The Jedi, directed by Dave Filoni. Now, to me, my kind of rapid reaction, overarching review of this episode would be that it did a good job advancing the lore. Uh, it was cool to see a few name, uh, key events and individuals name dropped. It contextualized important past events, uh, gave some new information, and doled out some fan service. As a diehard Star Wars my fan myself, who really, really loves Ahsoka and has followed her on this journey that I mentioned, this was freaking awesome to me. Very badass. The look was cool. The action was cool. It was amazing to see her intersect with the Mandalorian and provide some key information. Having said that, I believe a casual fan is probably sitting there being like, what the fuck is going on? And this continues the Mandalorian's rep... Uh, this continues the Mandalorian style of essentially using every ep season two episode as a quote unquote backdoor pilot for something else. You know, episode one was Boba Fett. Episode three was Bo-Katan. Episode four, maybe Cara Dune. Episode five now, Ahsoka Tana spinoff and a sequel to Rebels. That was clearly what they were setting up. So again, long story short, because I'm being long-winded because it's Ahsoka and I'm excited. I loved it. I don't know if casual, everyday, run-of-the-mill Star Wars fans are going to be as into it. I agree in the sense that I guess I'm sort of bummed that the vibe that they gave us was we're probably not going to see her again for some time. We're, uh, I would doubt we see her again until her own show. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's troublesome. That is. That's kind of troublesome. Uh, because I thought that the reverence and the gravity in which she was first unveiled was awesome really even cool. though i didn't you know i'm vaguely aware of who, who she was but even if you didn't know at all like you didn't even know clone wars was a thing when she pops on screen the way that they first of all just as a general rule of thumb star wars is always the best when it's at its darkest when it's literally dark <laughs> and this opening scene where she's cutting through the shadows in her hoodie and her white sabers is, 
you know, it's just a different level. Uh, Silhouetted un- violence. Like if there's a way to introduce lightsabers in this show for the first time, I'm glad that that was it because yeah. that was an awesome display of Jedi power. Let me ask you, did it remind you at all of Exegol in Rise of Skywalker when we when like one of the first scenes is just Kylo Ren just cutting through people in a dilapidated forest? Uh, in the sense of it was like a burnt down forest, yes. Uh, the aesthetics were a lot of the same, but Kylo Ren's uh, killing spree was shot and to be clearly more rage driven, yeah. where hers is more purpose driven. Beautifully uh, tactical. Yeah, so... Yeah, like the way that she slices through the tree with her two sabers and then uses that chunk to shoot it, like to force shoot it at somebody. And then that tree falls over. I mean, (laughs) beautiful scene. And one of my number one concerns going in was this is a hard character. She's not a very cool looking character. You know, she's no Darth Vader. Let's be honest here. Vader is uh, the best character design of the 20th century. Exactly. Right, right. But uh, even Mando looks fucking sweet. Yeah. Um, this was a character that I was concerned about how they were going to render in live action. And she looked incredible. You know how, like, Sonic the Hedgehog movie? I can't believe I'm tying this in right now. <laughs> you know how that was like a cartoon 3D character interacting with real world yeah. characters. Her character looked so sharp that it looked CG, but like in, in a good way. Like it didn't look like makeup. It looked, which it was. I think it was all classic prosthetics, but they looked so good that there was a part of her to me that looked like she was ripped right out of the screen of Clone Wars, which was very cool to me. And it could have looked silly and laughable so easily. Exactly. And that was and that was a big concern I've had when we talked about the original Star Wars films. We pointed out how had they not nailed the design so well, it would have unraveled because you can't because it is a preposterous topic to <laughs> begin with. And if you're looking at these ridiculous characters uh, it would have been the B film that it was supposed to be. But yeah. yet again, they have absolutely hit the design, the aesthetic, the vibe in this first scene out of the park. And Rosario Dawson, her you know cachet as a quality actress, I think helps too to sell it realistically, not make it silly, even though it could be. For the average fan? I mean, you think the average fan gives a shit? I mean, I think they like when she was announced, when it was reported that she would be playing Ahsoka Tano, I think both diehard fans and average fans were unified for the first time in the Disney era being like, that's a cool idea. Well, she was a long time fan casting, correct? Uh, yeah, she had been fan casted before. Gotcha. Okay. Which I'm cer- certain helped. You know, some industry professionals in kind of background conversations with me have often said that studios will leak information from other sources just to gauge social media reaction to see like, right. should we do this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. They should have done that with Leto's Joker first. <laughs> they absolutely should have. motherfucker. You're 100% <laughs> right on that one, my friend. I like that no matter what topic we're talking about, we can always weave in a little bit of Leto hate. Who I think yeah. is a good actor elsewhere, <laughs> yeah, for, but man. For sure. 
for All sure. Right, but one thing I was curious about when it comes to uh, this episode is that Ahsoka never corrects Mando or anyone else who keeps referring to her as a Jedi, even though she isn't actually a Jedi. She left the Jedi Order. Now, to me, that was kind of touching on how she might feel more connected to the Order now that everything is lost. What do you think? Dude, agreed. And let me just further hammer home how much you just hit the nail on the head. I don't know anything about her character's past except what you've told me. And you previously told me that the last we saw of her, she left the Jedi because she was super disillusioned with how it went down. But one of the vibes that I got off her this week when she was speaking, and she said it a few times, there's not many Jedi left. You could sense the regret in her voice every time it's brought up. Now, I wasn't sure if I was just hearing things because I don't have the knowledge of the character to know if that's where her headspace would be. But you just confirmed it. So the fact that you and I were the fact that you and I, who rest on two different ends of the fan spectrum, both keyed in on a same very key feeling. Like as far as you're telling us right now, her defining trait is that she's not a lone ranger, but she marches to the beat of her own drum. She's not gonna. She's not gonna join the Jedi in their ways if she doesn't whole heartedly believe in them but now it does seem like there is a sense of regret had order 66 not gone down the way that it did perhaps she would not be as regretful as she is now but given the way things have gone and given what role she did or did not play in that you could sense her regret and i thought that that was one of the more powerful character traits that they imbued her with here yeah i agree and and Talking about all this now, it really reminds me of that longing you see in Obi-Wan in A New Hope when he's just, you know, a, a civilized weapon for a more like bygone era or whatever he says. You know, he, he does miss the kind of elegance of the past. And I, and I do feel that she has something of the same. Now, before we get into our, our recap of the plot, what do you think in terms of structure? Because like I said, season two to me has been like filler, set up for a spinoff, filler, set up for a spinoff. Dope Dave Filoni episode, but set off, set up for a spinoff. Do you, uh, would you say that that is kind of on brand for this season? And how would you compare it to season one, which was, as you and I have discussed, discussed more episodic than we like, but not necessarily a constant spinoff generator. It's, it's weird because I thought of this exact thing today as I watched, because as we've talked about a lot, we're not a huge fan of the adventure of the weeks but i'm growing to understand that that's more of a fault with us than the show that we expect a show like this to be like that when it probably shouldn't be despite how strong it can be when it does so the comparison that i thought of to try and explain how i am okay with this series as long as it isn't shipping us like again while this was a one-off task it was still tangentially related to his main goal. It still advanced him to his next point. He went from point A to point B. He didn't go to point A to point 1.5 to B. Um, so the way that I thought about it was, this show, right, it's at its best. If it's like the California highway that runs along the coast, right, 
Mm-hmm. As long as I'm on that road, I don't care how fast it's going. It could be cruising or it could be going a thousand miles per hour, giving us heavy, serialized, dramatic moments. I don't care. As long as we're still on that main road and enjoying the view, I'm fine with that. It was clearly a one-off because you and I both agree that we probably won't see Ahsoka again till she gets her own show. But it was still following the tracks of the main plot. We found out Baby Yoda's name. We found out where Mando needs to take him next. We found out he like can like he has thoughts. He has a brain. He's not just a baby. So there was a lot of forward narrative info to sustain the tangential side plot action. And as long as they're doing that, it's fine with me. I agree that this episode was, a, and a couple of season two have been a better balance of side quests and vital information for the overarching narrative. I do agree with that. But I will admit, as much as I really like this episode, I am getting tired of the structure of Mandalorian being, hey, I need your help, character B. Okay, but first you need to do this for me. That has been essentially, more or less, every single episode of the entire show, both seasons. And I'm just getting a little tired of that repetitive, cyclical nature. I mean, it's like, uh, and, and I'm not the first one to say this, but it's a video game show. You can choose to just bang out the main plot if you want, or you can experience the game, experience the world, do all the side quests, talk to all the random characters, and that's what this is. Listen, I, I get that, and I do understand that, but I would say that that permits it from reaching its full potential. Having said that, I would say because I went into season two a little bit more forgiving, a little bit more reoriented in my expectations, I am enjoying it for what it is, while still, I think, rightfully pointing out the critiques that, that you and I have. So this is an ongoing discussion, an ongoing journey for the show to continue finding itself and continue balancing these elements Now, specifically for the Jedi, this episode, there were some cool things going on. Now, it opens, as you mentioned, with Ahsoka Tano just cutting fools down in the forest. And as we learn... As I put it in my notes, they stack bodies in this show. Just stacking bodies a mile high. (laughs) Like, you know, drones, and I don't mean that in the terms of, uh, like, technical drones, just like, you know, henchmen are just getting cut down left and right every episode. I, and yeah. I respect that. So what we find out is that she's essentially trying to infiltrate this town that's run by this uh, former imperial female commander of sorts. And she's like, hey, you, you know what I want from you. I'm trying to get this information. You have until the next day to give it to me. And obviously the, the, the town that's under the control of this evil formal imperial woman is like, nah, we're not doing that. Um, Mando flies in. He's just looking for Ahsoka Tano. He doesn't know about the overarching, you know, conflict going on. He rolls up into town. I love how no matter where he is, and I guess because they're rare, just like the Jedi are, he gets this immediate respect. People are like their eyes wide and they're like a Mandalorian's in town. Yeah. He gets and I don't know if it's because he's strapped the hell up as well. But, like, this evil uh, empire-controlled city didn't even think about stepping to them. They're like, come on in, fam. Open the gates. And I think what you're talking about, the reaction to him where he goes and the rarity of the Mandalorian species, 
is connected to the future of the show, which I do believe will be centered on retaking Mandalore, you know, for the good of the people. Here, he gets invited to talk to the magistrate, who is the, you know, evil woman in control of this town. And long story short, she says, hey, I will pay you this full Beskar spear in exchange for you going out to kill this Jedi who's been plaguing me. Now, I got to believe Mando's thinking like, well, this worked out perfectly for me because I'm looking for her anyway. and We can team up. And he's like, thanks, dumbass. Gladly. <laughs> exactly. You know, he's like, you dumbass. My notes here was, and they went on to prove this very quickly. And this is a another very cool little wrinkle that while it adds into the fact that he's becoming an indestructible superhero, I wrote down, can Beskar defend against Sabres? We're about to and, find out. And, and it turns out, but as soon as she gave him that spear, I was like, Wait a minute, are they setting up to have a Beskar v. Lightsaber duel? And uh, look, is that cool? Yes. But are we getting to the point now where he's a little bit, not only is he protected by plot armor, but he he is indestructible at this point. And, it, yeah. and to me, they're bordering a point where it will vacuum all of the dramatic stakes out of the air if he continues on this trend. We need him to get beat up a little bit. Yeah. Bring sure. us back down. And and he essentially accepts this offer because he's looking for Ahsoka anyway. When he finds her, they do have a very quick little tiff, you know, a, a one tet v tet before being like, whoa, we're on the same side. It's all good. That brief moment was very cool. And like you just said, we discover immediately Beskar can defend against lightsabers, which is, I'm sure, a surprise to Ahsoka. She may have known, but she wasn't expecting a fully armored, you know, Beskar warrior to roll up into her hideout. You know, she wasn't thinking that was how, how her like of all the go. things you don't want coming your way. If you're a Jedi, that's probably one of them. And they sort of lean on that because, uh, and they've been leaning on that the whole time, how like the Jedi and the Mandalorian have clashed throughout the years. Yeah. Um, so just to sort of the highlight, the contrast of their fighting styles in that moment was so cool. And that's why it bums me out that it seems like we aren't going to see much more of her because, you know, them teaming up was something that I would watch every week. They they would be a phenomenal team as we see later in this episode. And again, it, it's only like she pulls one move, he pulls one move with his flamethrower, and then they start talking and they're like, whoa, 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 it's all good. But just that was excited. Now, this is not related to anything but if you're asking me if that battle plays out to completion, I think Ahsoka beats him. And I know that's going to rile up some fans, potentially. To be honest with you, I don't have the knowledge to even speak on that. Like, that would be fascinating. I should write about that for work, actually, because that's an awesome post. If you should, you should watch Clone Wars and Rebels to get, like, a better understanding. Now, now to me, this is not based on anything. This is my opinion. I think she's, like, one rung below Obi-Wan in terms of, like, powerful Jedis, which is Yeah, saying, but do we have a sense of where Mando is? Do we have a true sense? I, I, I think mean, that if, that's, if, that's the, if that's the strongest challenger that he's faced yet, that was a pretty good showing. Yeah, very good showing. But at the same time, it's like... In Clone Wars, where we've seen her lead like a battalion of troops against like a million droids and just lay wreak havoc to like an un in unwinnable situation, you know? <laughs> She's been in straight up war, which I love. And like as a teenager, yeah. too. Like imagine like a 17 year old girl leading your battalion. I'm like, wow, this chick is badass. This dude, is I, of has nothing on her. Dude, I've been trying to watch and 
I, I got to be honest, I don't know if it's because I have a hard time buying into cartoons or if they haven't gotten into like the Darth Maul stuff yet, but I'm like deep into season three and it hasn't hooked me yet. I don't know why. And it's bumming I, me out because I'm definitely trying. Because yeah. listen, I, I really like Clone Wars, but there's a ton of filler in it, like a ton yeah. of misadventures that I don't care about. And the first couple seasons are very, very kid focused before it grows up a little gotcha. bit. Gotcha. Okay. Listen, and like, you know, I, I completed it, but I'm not saying, you know, the animated Clone Wars is my favorite thing ever. I will say the last five episodes in the last season, which was released this year in Disney Plus, is some of the best Star Wars, period, the end. Um, okay, great. So, okay, I'm going to keep going. And, and listen, you could always do an essential guide, you know, like one of those on, on like IndieWire or Fandom where it's like, hey, watch like these 15 episodes of Clone Wars. Right, like, right, right exactly. And Perfect. then just go to the last season if you want. Perfect. So I like how Ahsoka and Mando's conversation goes. He goes, whoa, um, Bo-Katan sent me. He's like, Ahsoka-Tana. He like, you know, he puts his gun up in like a, not a surrender move, but I'm not a threat move. This plays into, as we've been saying, they've been growing his personality all season. And this is part of that. He's, yeah. It's almost like played for, not played for laughs, but the way that he handles it is so much more human than he ever would have in yeah. season one. And that's incredible. And that is credit to them. As much as we may harp on their lack of plot development, their character development of, of their faceless main character has been great yeah they've done a good job on that season two for sure uh and i like too that we're gonna get into it when we get into our awards or categories but ahsoka takes one look at baby yoda and basically surmises the entire situation it was like okay cool you're not a bad guy that cute little thing needs some help let's talk and i like that because it, it was this ridiculous moment that just completely works from like a humor and character standpoint. She didn't need the force to connect those dots. Yeah, exactly. Put it that way. <laughs> and of course, you know, she saw, she knew Yoda. She, she trained under Yoda. So she knows, and this leads baby Yoda and Ahsoka to have a force conversation. There's no out loud words really, but Mando watches from the background as they essentially converse through the force. And this was really cool because, as you mentioned earlier in this episode, he's not just a baby. He has a developing personality and communication and memories. So we love to treat him as this adorable little toddler. She sees a little bit of a darker past that, that's more important. And what that is and what it was important to reveal for the overarching story is that he was at the Jedi Temple training. Remember, he is 50 years old. He was at the Jedi Temple training. Training is just such a funny way to put it because it's like we just said he's not a baby, but to think of physically how they're possibly training this thing is hilarious. It's so funny. Like I would like they're starting them early. Have they learned nothing? I don't understand. Like what? And also, like mentally, he still is very toddler esque. So I'm <laughs> I'm wondering what that training was. I mean, just just some some baby Einstein Jedi version shit. And through this force talk, we also learn that he has a name, Grogu. And I'm going to say that they had one and a half seasons to come up with Baby Yoda's name, and they chose the wrong one. It's a tough combo of sounds. Grow, which sounds like gross, and goo, which sounds like goo, which is also gross. So I just wrote Grogu. Oh, hell no. <laughs> I, was, I was not having that. Dude. You got to... Uh, 
is he really going to call him that going forward? It <laughs> I seems mean, like it. I how think... did they not workshop this one? Like, yeah. come on, Disney, please. It's just insane that that's what they went with. And I've already seen some people on Twitter being like, oh, so like Skywalker and Yoda and like Chewbacca, those are like normal names. I'm like, listen, they're all silly. This is more silly. And it's easy to just bring it down a couple notches with any other combination of vowels and consonants. Grogu. We're going to still call him Baby Yoda, right? Plus, those are grown-ups. He's a cute baby. So it's a completely different thing. Like, Chewbacca was a gigantic, hairy monster. He could sound ridiculous. But if you want a little cute baby, like, Grogu just makes him sound like almost like, like that's that, that's the sort of name a troll would have in yeah. Lord of the Rings. Grogu sucked. We're still calling him Baby Yoda on this show. Fair. So facts. Just, just deal with it. Baby Yoda um, for life. <laughs> and we also find out that before the Jedi Temple on Coruscant fell, he was taken away. We don't know by whom. And that's something I definitely want to touch on and, and talk about later. And from there, you know, she says he, he's felt very lost and alone. He's hidden his powers in order to stay alive and not draw uh, attention to himself. And that she she senses great fear and, and anger in him, just as we've seen with other characters. And it's at this moment that we really get these ties to the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy. And you hear some of the original score kind of start to play in the background as she name drops Yoda, as she references Anakin and her decision is I'm not going to train him because I've seen this combination in powerful force wielding individuals before and I've seen how wrong it can go Mandalorian counters with hey I was hired to kill you I will help you take down the evil magistrate at the town over if you consider training him and protecting him and kind of filling the gap that that I can't and she's like okay because plot progression and at this point, I was worried that you were going to be right because you had said that you think that there's a chance that Mando and Baby Yoda part ways. At the end and, of the season, I still I still think it's possible. Uh, okay, I don't because she pretty much said what I've been saying this whole time, that like he's like a father to him. The, sh- the core of this show is them growing up side by side. If they were to split those two apart, it would fracture the very elemental appeal of this show and that's a father-son story and and i love that father-son story and listen let me just say i hope they don't break them up and i i am not putting this as like a stone cold hard prediction this is just i could see them doing that at the end of season two or maybe season three because i think the future of the show and man mando's role is retaking mandalorian maybe with bo katan with her her and i just don't know how baby yoda how With does baby he fit into that really though? I mean, listen, he, he clearly Homie rides. Can't he, he could just sit in that. Ride. He could just sit in that pouch purse thing and just force throw people out the way, <laughs> just moving people. Well, then he definitely needs more training if if that yes. is part of it. And like yes. Ahsoka, you know, step up. But the two of them tag team to take down this village and what was another really really cool assault on a compound. I've said it before. I think. The best action scenes basically are, are is in The Mandalorian is when they are assaulting some sort of stronghold. They do a really good job of infiltration and tactical takedowns, and that's no different here. Uh, Ahsoka goes off to fight the ma- magistrate, who we find out his name is or- Morgan Elsbeth. More on her in a little bit. Uh, she basically kicks her ass pretty quickly. I mean, there's some back and forth, but she takes her down, and I like that. And she asks her, 
where her master is. Where's Grand Admiral Thrawn? This, my friend, my friend who is not as well-versed in the Star Wars universe, this is a very big moment, both for the expanded universe that is no longer canon, that stretches back to the 19... Uh, stretches back a really long time, but out Thrawn specifically, the 1990s, and now in canon, because he was so popular that Lucasfilm's like, we gotta bring this dude back. That And that's not always the case, you know, with all the expanded universe stuff. But we haven't seen him yet. This is a new guy. No, we've seen him in Star Wars Rebels, which is already, that already goes to show you how important he is and how much they value him, that not only did they bring him from the expanded universe, which is no longer canon, is now referred to as Legends, Explain that more to, you know, the folks at home, a.k.a. me, who don't really know what that means. Okay, no problem. This is going to go full nerd. I love it. This is what I live for. Uh, (laughs) Around the original trilogy, Star Wars was obviously huge. So the brand spawned so like endless amounts of books, video games, uh, you know, comic books, all this supplementary material that a lot of people could put their two cents into. And that was known as the expanded universe. You know, that's how the rumors of Boba Fett surviving first began because he had continued adventures, all this stuff. Now that was decanonized by Star Wars, uh, by Disney once they bought Lucasfilm. Okay. So it's, it's now just Star Wars legends. Disney's the key here. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So, and and you got to remember that's decades of supplementary, supplementary storytelling that it's now, nope, none of that counts. Quote unquote. Right. Right. In the expanded universe, Grand Admiral Thrawn was a vicious, ruthless, tactically brilliant genius who worked for the Empire. He is a commander, uh, you know, an admiral. He obviously rises to a very high rank in what is a racist society. You know, they don't like aliens. They like humans still. They don't really let aliens get to super high positions. But he did because he's just undeniably brilliant. And he always had this kind of contentious relationship. Oh, that's interesting. I never realized that. I never realized that. Interesting. It's a cool wrinkle. Now, they have brought him back into So canon. they're like racist? Is, is that what you're telling me? Yeah, there's a, a whole bunch of racism <laughs> going on in the, in the galaxy far, far away. They oh still God. prefer humans. That's not funny. I'm like laughing because I, that went way over my head all this time. I really like that. Well, it okay. hasn't been a huge point of focus for for like the movies and the mainstream stuff, but, but I, they're I think all re- like old white guys. Let's, yeah, re- let's re- be honest re- here. Watch some of it, and you will see hints of that. And in the in the expanded universe and the other uh, now canon material, it's totally a point of focus. Now they have brought Thrawn back. Like I said, he's in Star Wars Rebels. He also has a book trilogy that details his his rise in the Empire under you know Palpatine and everything. And they just started, they released the first of uh, the first book in a new trilogy that is a prequel to that, that details his time with his original species. In this new incantation, not so much Star Wars Rebels. He's, he's not this like vicious, ruthless guy. He's brilliant, but he's not like inherently evil. He just does what it takes to win. Now in Rebels, they make him look more evil, but the books, he, he's, I would not say he's an evil guy necessarily. That's a point for another day, but all of this is to say this is a massively important character that cast a 30-year shadow on the Star Wars Star Wars brand that is finally revving up to be introduced in live action. And I want to say I've been fan casting this for years. Benedict Cumberbatch as live action Thrawn. Oh, that sounds great. That Tactical, sounds great. brilliant, like, mm, like, this is what we will do. <laughs> 
Stop. I don't know, homie. They should just cast you. That was pretty good. Thank you, man. I would love to. Disney, you got it. All right, so bottom line is that's a name drop that's going to pay off big time at some point. Yeah, that that's huge. So, again. Paying to, off in Tano show or this show? I wish both, man. I, I love Thrawn. I think he's a fascinating character. What like, if, what if these – because this is what we've heard is that they are – taking a more MCU-like approach. Yes. What if the movies going forward are team-ups of these various TV characters? Could know, you see them going that route? We know Taika Waititi's movie takes place in a different timeline and a different part of the universe. So we that's the 2023 movie. We know that one's not going to be con- connected. Having said that, I would be shocked if a handful of these Star Wars TV characters that become fan favorites through their TV shows do not pop up in films moving forward and having spoken to box office experts, uh, you know, across the industry for, for articles detailing the future of star Wars, all of them said, I would be shocked too. If there isn't some type of mega crossover event, whether that be on Disney plus as like a defender style team up or whether that be in film. So one way or the other, we're absolutely building to that. No, no question. An Avengers style team up. Bottom line, then, if you had to guess, where is this Thrawn plot going to unfold? I believe Ahsoka's spinoff is essentially also going to serve as a Rebels sequel in live action. I believe that's probably where. Having said that, Thrawn is the perfect character to ping pong between TV shows and movies. Since he is in the Empire, he is this, he is this tactical genius. And he is this hugely fan favorite character. Okay, cool. Yeah, and so that that's like the main thrust of the episode. You know, at the end, uh, Ahsoka says, listen, I'm not going to train him. But if you take him to this Jedi temple, which we will get to more in our wards and categories, you might find someone, another Jedi might get in contact potentially. Or Baby Yoda might choose just to stay with you and, and kind of live as, as a child and not necessarily... Uh, a student of the force you know basically i want him to choose din jaren obviously is like that sounds good with me and he's off to his next <laughs> adventure and we now have ahsoka's roadmap for her future in the franchise and that's how the episode really ties everything together at the end so we're supposed to believe that he's gonna put baby yoda on this rock and then baby yoda is gonna see his potential futures and choose the path. Is that what they're saying? And then choose the path that he wants to go down? I don't know if, if he's going to see his potential futures. I don't know if it's going to be this type of prophetic foresight. But she said, you bring him to this, this ancient Jedi temple. If he reaches out with the force, another Jedi out there might sense him. Which is an interesting thing to say for this timeline. And obviously, it seems to leave the choice to, to Baby Yoda. What does he want? Why? Who is out there in this timeline that she could potentially be uh, well, we'll, referring we'll to? to oh, beautiful. Then let's do it. <laughs> right, Award the categories. Guys, that was the recap of the episode with a little bit of our, our step-by-step analysis. Now the fun begins, the awards and categories. Maybe my favorite moment of, maybe my favorite segment of every episode every week, just because it's a good time. Uh, our first category, Kill Count. This is Eric's specialty, yet has grown increasingly difficult each week. Yeah, so as I said at the top, they're just stacking bodies on this stacking show. Stacking bodies. Um, she, she cuts down five in that first scene. I mean, it's tough because, like, I'm trying to take notes on 
other things. So then I'm like, oh, fuck, I forgot to count all the people that they've killed. So I'm like, oh, do I go back? So she kills five in that first scene. There's no kills until that final raid, which at that point, I don't know. There's probably when when uh, the magistrate walks out, she's rolling with a crew of, I'd say, about 12 to 15 and they all die. So we're putting this week similar. I think last week we were at about 40. Uh, I think last week was a season high. This week I'd peg it at about 20, 25. My subset category of this is every week, uh, the kill of the week. And I particularly liked when she cut through the guy and the town's gong. The tree I love too, but I just love the gong being cut in half and just going like, bong. As if yeah. floor. I thought that was a Her nice use of two blades is not something that we've seen in live action yet, correct? I mean, we've seen uh, that robot guy wield General like six Grievous. of them. Yeah, but yeah. that was lame. That doesn't so this and we've seen Maul use the double sided, but we've yet to see somebody wield two different ones. Correct. The only other example is when Anakin decapitates Count Dooku, but that he wasn't like wielding them; he was holding him prisoner at that moment. And then next, um, her sabers are not the same length. No, which is cool. The sizes of the blades are different. The handle one is like more of a not a dagger size but it's like a kid size and then one is like a xl it's very cool that actually has accurate origins in japanese weapon design i want to say the of the 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 feudal empire age i can't remember which please don't quote me on that but essentially the shorter the shorter um sabers used for defense and the longer sabers used for offense that that is a real martial art i, I just can't remember the exact origins of it but that's a 100 percent accurate like depiction of a specific type of sword wielding martial arts do you have can can you do an off the dome riff on those blades or no they're awesome and uh, um <laughs> so so because well, <laughs> at the point that i'm at in clone war she has gold and green yeah a- anakin basically she leaves the jedi order she gets her own her own stuff going on in the in her last meeting with Anakin Skywalker, who is a different person than Darth Vader in her last meeting with Anakin Skywalker. He re gifts her. her (laughs) (laughs) Yes. An accurate depiction. So he re gifts her, her, her old lightsabers in, in that style that she likes one short, one, one long. They're both blue in the final season of the clone wars. we what we find out is she learns how to basically purge the Kyber crystals that power lightsabers of their like light V dark elements. So it's just kind of right in the middle, something, it's something like that. And that's why they're white, which I think is a really nice, cool touch to, to again, say like, she's not a Jedi. And yet here we obviously see gotcha. a, perhaps a, longing for that connection so they were both gifts from anakin yeah and i I believe they were hers originally and when she left the order they weren't hers anymore and then when they met up again he was like hey these belong to you very cool very 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 cool cool. all right trip to the jedi temple where we discuss any references to jedi the force lightsabers etc well we've already started this so perfect second category obviously in her conversation with mando she name drops Yoda. She's like, I've met another of his species. He was a wise Jedi master named Yoda. She references Anakin Skywalker when she's discussing why training a powerful force user with innate fear in their heart is dangerous and how it can lead to a terrible path. 
that's that's very scary. And I but I love the way that they weave in those original trilogy, prequel trilogy elements. I think that's a great job. They also talk about a Jedi may sense him at the Tython Temple. We'll talk a little bit more about Tython in a second. Now, this is five years after Return of the Jedi. The two confirmed Jedi that we know of, in my opinion, in my research, is Luke, which is huge, and Ezra Bridger, who is the protagonist of Rebels, who she's looking for. Now, there have been rumors since Mando started that Luke could a younger Luke could potentially make an appearance. I think that might be leaning too much into the the fan service if they do that, though it would be undeniably cool. What you know is right around this time is probably when he is in the midst of trying to recruit more more Force-sensitive users and restart his Jedi Order. We know a youngish Ben Solo brings an end to that, but that, you know, he's just, Ben Solo's a toddler right now in this time, so... That seems to fit, right? It has to be Plus, Luke or Ezra. Plus, he's at the peak of his powers at, at this point, no? I mean, Luke's got to be, like, real strong right Plus, now. big swinging dick. He just took down Vader. He just took down Palpatine. He's feeling himself these days. Absolutely. So, I mean, he is a would, Jay-Z song. This would be a very cool version of Luke to see. I, 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 half of me wants them to, half of me doesn't. But that said, like, even the vague hint last week at Snoke and Palpatine last week pissed me off. So I can't have it both ways. So if I had to choose one, I would prefer, you're right, stay away. Stay away. It's like my thing is, even if he's just a cameo or it's just something, or it's a one episode appearance like Ahsoka, he sucks up all the oxygen in the room for the foreseeable future. I'm like, well, the biggest figure in all of Star Wars. Like, you can't just sneak that in <laughs> right, there. Right, right, right. So, so that'll be interesting. All right. How about the Baby Yoda awe and or holy shit moment of the week? Now, for me, for the awe one, I thought he, I wrote down in my notes, Baby Yoda, so cute and disarming, he stops fights. And I meant that in the sense that Ahsoka takes one look at him and is like, all right, these are good dudes. <laughs> we had complained that they were leaning, that the cuteness of him was becoming too much of an invention and not a natural part of the plot. But I think they've balanced that back out in these last two. And they've yeah. used his cuteness very well. For my awe of the week, it's when... Mando is about to leave the city gates to go out to find Soka, and the magistrate's right-hand man is like, he looks down at, at the purse and he's like, what's that thing? And Baby Yoda kind of just looks at him like, me, fam? And uh, Mando's like, I keep it around for good luck. <laughs> Which was just a great line. I just love that. And then the, holy shit, was when I found out he had a fucking name and that he could think. I was like, what? This whole, Like, she just sat down with him by a quiet campfire for, like, 30 minutes. She's like, yep, his name's Grogu. He lived here. He knows this. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> it's just so funny to me. And I, I agree. That was one of my holy shit moments as well, as, as well as when he brings the little top screw thing that he likes with the right. force. I just thought that was cool. But... We saw him last week in a school setting. And what did he do? He ignored the teacher completely and stole someone's cookies. How was this dude a student at the Jedi Temple? You know, he's too <laughs> young. Like, what yeah. was he doing? Exactly. Exactly. Like, you he's think Yoda's going to be like, oh, you're so cute for stealing cookies. Like, no, he's going to be like, hop to Jedi. <laughs> 
So that I just thought that was funny. But yeah, that that was pretty cool. Um, use the force. May the force be with you. May the force be with you. May the force be with you. Anakin, may the force be with you. May the force be with you, Master. May the force be with you both. The best action fight moment of the episode. Now, to me, again, it's just a very quick interchange between Ahsoka and Mando. He, she, she hits him with the dual lightsabers. He blocks him with his forearm guards. Then it spins out and, and lets her kind of grab air at his cloak and just hits her with the fire blast, which she jumps back from. It was really, really beautiful, that just one sequence. And then he shoots his yes. little cord thing around her. She like smirks like you dumbass motherfucker and uses her force jump to pulley system him over a branch. So he's hanging there. Dude, I, I have the same one. Great little burst. That is why, I mean, we won't see them fighting each other, but that's why I would love to see more of them fighting side by side because that scene and then the later raid of the town was some of the strongest set pieces that we've had on this show. As you pointed out, you'll take these sort of raids over, at least I will. I'll take these sort of raids and these sort of one-on-one battles over fighting a sandworm every day. I I agree. I agree. Even as someone who likes the the sandworm episode, I I definitely agree 100%. And I just liked how essentially each of them was just one-upping the other in a very quick succession of moves. And I think they yeah. both recognize, like, okay, this, this other person is skilled. Very cool. <laughs> All right, the Wikipedia category. This is anything deep-cut nerdy that we might think casual fans could probably use some further explanation on. Uh, Morgan Elsbeth to start. That was the magistrate of the town who Ahsoka was after. This is 100% her first appearance in Star Wars in any form. Now, she is clearly the, you know, Imperial Padawan equivalent to Grand Admiral Thrawn, but this is her first appearance. So this was not someone I I think you were supposed to recognize or or mention or be familiar with. I wasn't, and then I did some research, and this is what I seem to have found. Tython. Okay. Tython is the planet that Ahsoka sends Mandalo and Baby Yoda. In the new Star Wars canon, which we've now discussed because expanded universe, quote unquote, legends is no longer canon. But in the new Star Wars canon that does count, it was first mentioned in a map created for the 2016 role-playing game Star Wars The Force Awakens beginner game. The planet then appeared in a 2019 comic book, Dr. Aphra 40. And then this is its third mention in Star Wars canon that counts. Now, in canon, it is also considered one of the ancient Jedi temples and potentially the first Jedi temple. So in terms of its place, it's kind of up there with Acto, Coruscant, Jeddah, these kind of iconic old school Jedi locations that are like really revered within the religion. So I think that's cool. And then Grand Admiral Thrawn, we have talked about, again, a character whose origins are in the expanded universe from the 1990s who has now been brought into the canon universe because of how popular he was, how great of a character he was. Uh, I'm so excited for the next book in his prequel trilogy. It's awesome that he's there. So that's really the kind of the three things that I think you need to know to get the base understanding of this episode. Does that help you, someone who maybe wasn't as familiar, understand it a little bit more, Eric? Always, Brandon. Brando! 
I like this name. This is the first time anyone's called me that. Brando! Coming with that knowledge, Brando! No, seriously, yeah. I mean, yo, you've crushed it today between the facts (laughs) about the savers and all this shit. I'm learning a ton. I'm just sitting here enjoying my own podcast. (laughs) I'm glad, man. I'm glad. When we get back to Batman and the inevitable future, the roles will (laughs) shift. And I'll be like, man, Eric really knows his Batman. (laughs) Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, Now, this is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. We think things are going to go. This is our predictions for the next episode and beyond. I think I've kind of made mine. I have a feeling Ahsoka is a one episode and done. I don't think she shows up again. I don't think she's going to be fighting Moff Gideon lightsaber to Darksaber. I think this is it. This was her backdoor pilot, which is cool and frustrating at the same time. That bums me out because I forgot that I had wanted to see her fight Moth with Darksaber. I'm going to rebuke you and predict that she does come back at some point because we need to see him use the Darksaber. Oh, oh, Mando now has a Beskar uh, spear. That's interesting. Okay, my prediction is that at some point, in lieu of not getting the uh, Sokotano Moth Gideon fight, we are going to get a Mando off Gideon fight and since they're both not as far as we know experienced lightsaber users Mando should stand a chance with his new Beskar spear it's like Chekhov's gun you know you introduce it in act one it has to be used by act three Nailed he doesn't it, yep. get the spear unless he's gonna use the spear for something meaningful yeah so well I would have preferred because as we said at the top for a way to introduce lightsaber action into this show, man, what a way to do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm I mean, just she's like, stalking prey like a mama leopard, just yeah, killing dude. it. Because, and you could just tell that this is somebody who is like an experienced warrior, you know, mm-hmm. her, her whole swagger. Um, she's so been while in war, I, literal war. Yeah. So while I would have loved to see her, because I did predict that she would sort of pop up to save their asses while I would have loved to see that. Mando getting a tool that he could fight lightsaber battles with is something that I think that will be paid off at some point. I agree. Now, before we close up shop today, I, I have two questions that we don't necessarily need to dig into, but that I'm curious about moving forward. Uh, Ahsoka reveals that baby Yoda was smuggled out of the Jedi temple before shit hit the fan who smuggled him out. You know, that could be a very important reveal down the road. I'm wondering good guy or bad guy. You're saying good guy, right? I'm, I assume good guy. Otherwise why, you know, why wouldn't they kill him? Well, cause when they find him, he's in the hands of bad guys. Yeah. But that's, this is, this is years after the Jedi temple fell. Gotcha. Okay. Decades. It's decades when we find okay. him first in Mando. Right. He's fifty years old. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So I'm I'm wondering. And then my second question is: She said, and we've talked about this. She said he can re- reach out with the Force, and another Jedi might sense him. Now, the the ones that make sense to me are Luke and Ezra. Is it possible a an existing character that we know of that may not have been a central character, but that we know of? survive the Jedi purge or B they introduce a new Jedi who was like, Oh yeah, I survived too. I'm what, you know, maybe it's not the most obvious answer. That would be kind of cool too. Yeah. You did touch on Luke. Um, will they be able to resist going down that route? If that's a viable, see what I have found so far is 
while they are doing fan service and a ton of it, they aren't doing in detriment of the show. Something like Luke, as you said, could throw off the entire gravity of the entire series. So for them to do that is a big choice. Um, Hopefully they go down the Ezra Bridges route, which is a hilariously earthly name for Star Wars. (laughs) Oh, Bridger. He's pretty cool. Oh yeah, he, he's been the adult version. The adult version has been fan casted as Dev Patel, and I was like, "Yo, that would be really cool." Interesting. Oh, he does look just like him. Oh my god! So yeah, that, that would be interesting. So uh, you know, Star Wars Rebels is some really cool stuff that I think you would like, and I think it's a little bit less misadventures episodic than than Clone Wars. Gotcha. You know, people have been asking me for years which one I like more, and I never had an answer, but. In rewatching all this stuff for these pods, it's probably Rebels. Oh, interesting. Although, I'm although tr- the last season of Clone Wars is probably the best of the small screen. When do they bring in Darth Maul to Clone Wars? Because that is when I think I should just dive in. I, I can't remember like what season off the top of my head, but you can look that up easily. And it really does add this whole jolt to the show, like a, a much needed injection of life that I think you'll be like, all right, now we're cooking oh, well, with that's gas. That's what I'm waiting for. That's what I'm literally waiting for. So. Okay. Dope. Great one. Great week. Brandon, the Rogue One pod is coming. Dude, I'm, I'm got, you're tr- you're you're trying to convince a Star Wars nerd to talk about Star Wars more. Like, it's I mean, gotta be done. All right. You've already made the sale, All right. my friend. My promise is that we will do it before the end of the year. All right. You you got that to look forward to, loyal post cred pod fans. Uh, if you guys have any more questions or just want to shoot the shit about nerdy stuff, hit us up on Twitter at postcredpod. We'll be talking about nerdy stuff for a while. Leave us a review. If you're hearing this in your ear hole right now, please. Apple Podcasts, leave us a five star. It helps. I know you hear this on every podcast you've ever heard in your entire life, but it is actually outrageous how much those stars help. So if you could please leave that for us, it'd be huge. Thank you. We love you. All right, Until next week. Brando. I love that. See you next week. I'm very happy about this. (laughs) All right, buddy. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. 